It's Rob Port here on WDAY. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. You can send me tweets, too, on the Twitter machine, at Rob Port. Happy to be with you this Friday. Good afternoon, Natil. Good afternoon, Rob. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you at 9.01 p.m. last night. Governor Doug Burgum signing into law North Dakota's constitutional carry legislation. It'll take effect August 1st. It now means that anyone who has uh, been a resident of North Dakota for more than a year uh, and who has access to a photo ID and is not otherwise precluded by law could carry concealed. Let me just get my sarcastic celebratory party popper here. Uh oh. Oh man, you don't like the you don't like the legislation? No, I hate this particular piece of legislation. No, I think it's I think it's good policy, and I I, I think it's very practical policy because everybody's thinking of it like old west style. Everybody's going to carry their guns. I I don't think people who people who weren't inclined to carry around guns now. The, the people who want to do that, they already have concealed carry permits. Uh, to, to me, I look at this as very pragmatic legislation for people. Like, if you are if you don't have a concealed weapons permit and you're taking your handgun to the range or something like that and your gun slips under the seat, you are technically in violation of the concealed carry laws. And I have always thought that was silly. This addresses that. I think it's good policy. Yeah, this addresses that, but also opens up a whole other can of worms that I am not particularly excited about. What can of worms is that? Well, the way that this is being presented in the media and everywhere is that now in North Dakota, if you're above the age of 18 and you went and were able to get a gun, you can conceal and carry that weapon. It doesn't tell them anything about where they can actually conceal and carry, when they can, when they can't, the small minutiae of the laws that getting your actual license had taught you before. So now when I'm, you know, it's 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 not that it's it's not that complicated, honestly, where, where you could. I mean, a lot of it's just common sense. I don't think that stuff was necessary. I will say this. I do think it's smart for anybody who's going to have guns. If you're going to own guns or have guns in your household, everybody in your household should should have some level of gun training. I know, but not everybody's going to. It's not well, required. Well, not everybody not everybody drives sober either, right? Not, Which is not, also not a every, huge problem. It is. Not not everybody, but I I don't I don't think we can let the choices the irresponsible choices made by a minority of the society dictate the liberties to the rest of us. I don't think that the Small, this is not going to make us. I think the small infringement on liberty that comes with your gun accidentally slipping under your seat on the way to the range is worth opening up the potential for all of the irresponsibilities that's going to come out of this. 11, 11 other states have passed this legislation. Where has there been a problem? I don't like that 11 other states have passed it. I think that. But there hasn't been a problem there. I mean, we're not seeing some increase in violence. As a matter of fact, on this show, we had somebody from the NRA. Granted, it's the NRA, but mm-hmm. they're pointing to data saying that there, there's there's nothing to suggest that this is this is decreased safety. This has made the 11 states that have already passed this less safe. There's no evidence. I don't know. It seems like legislature that was looking for a problem and not actually solving a problem that really existed. I thought I thought Senator Hogue, in, during the floor debate, Senator David Hogue, he's a Republican from Minot, made an excellent point, and it was it was echoed in Governor Doug Burgum's 
uh, signing uh, statement that went out with his announcing his his signature on this bill last night. And it's that the North Dakota Constitution actually has a broader right to keep and bear firearms than the Fed, the federal Constitution. It's it's much more clear that you have a right to, to keep and bear arms, and and that's something that Senator Hogue, Hogue made the point on the floor. He said, if in, unless there has been some sort of due process, uh, because you've been convicted of a crime or you've been found mentally incompetent or or anything along those lines, absent those things. The North Dakota Constitution says you are allowed to carry your firearm. And, and, and oh, by the way, you could already, what, 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 what this bill allows you to do for, with concealed carry, you could already do with open carry. You could already do it. It's yeah. just that now, now if your sweatshirt falls down over your gun while you're carrying it, now you're not in violation of the concealed weapons as long as you're, you know, a resident for a year, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, I, you know. Me whining about it now doesn't change the fact that it has been signed into law, and this is now what with some, what we're left to deal with. With some prominent Democrats having voted for it too, by the way. Um, yeah, it, well, it, it, again, <laughs> this is this is North Dakota Democrats voting, right. and the North Dakota Democratic Party has already seen such a huge decline that I'm not surprised that they were voting for this particular. Well, all, particular all piece nine, of all nine, all nine of the senators in all nine of the Democratic senators in the uh, in the Senate. Uh, voted against the bill along with four republicans in the senate uh republican gary lee judy lee from fargo karen krebsbaugh uh, from minot and uh, uh senator osland all voted against the bill they're republicans but in the uh in the house democrats uh, tracy bow lois delmore from grand forks uh alicia mitzkog uh house minority leader cory mock and Marvin Nelson, who was the Democratic gubernatorial candidate last year, as a matter of fact, had Marvin won and this bill made it through the chambers, I guess he would have signed it too. So I don't know. I, I just I, I I think so much of the reaction to this is sort of built into to how partisan the gun rights issue has has become for a lot of people. And, and I'm not not trying to, to, to belittle your fears or anything, but I think a lot of it's just sort of rooted in an ideological knee-jerk response to the idea of people having easier access to, to keep and bear arms. I don't know. 701-293-9000, Let's get to Craig. What's up, Craig? Oh, Rob, this is the problem. You just told all your listening audience a, a bona fide lie. You cannot open carry unless it's unloaded. Either you didn't know it because of lack of education, or what? I don't know. This is my. You know, problem. I didn't. I didn't get into the specifics. And one thing I, I, Rob, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say for, I gotta say for the gun rights side is I am sorry. What a bunch of pedantic morons on 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 the gun rights side all the time. Every time this issue comes up, I get a bunch of gun nuts calling in saying, "Oh, you didn't get this little thing right." I wasn't listing, all right? I'm not I'm not out there laying out the requirements for everybody to 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 vote. I'm just saying open carry is legal in the state of North Dakota. Yeah, there's some other requirements that go along with it. No, Before you Rob, do it, you should look stop, them up. Stop. Thanks you thanks for the call, Craig. Have a nice day. I am I I I cannot stand. And I was getting a bunch of it last night. All right, listen, if you want to carry a gun, you want to own a gun, that's a responsibility. Take some time to educate yourself about it because you might find yourself in legal trouble if you don't know what you're doing. 
But outside of that, the law should allow people to, to, to carry firearms. And, and we ought to get rid of regulations that don't actually make us more safe. And this was one of them. This idea, a, a, a lot of the concealed carry requirements in North Dakota weren't put in place to necessarily make things safer in North Dakota. They were put in place because other states were putting them in place. And North Dakota was trying to keep up with the Joneses for reciprocity. That's what was going on. And so North Dakota took a step back, and we said, we don't have to keep up with the Joneses in other states if we're just talking about concealed carry in the state of North Dakota. We don't have to keep up with the Joneses. That's all they said. So now, starting August 1st, if you want to concealed carry, and you're not otherwise stopped from concealed carry by law, you're allowed to do it. I think that's a good thing. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report. Before I get any more gun nuts jumping out my throat... Open carry in North Dakota currently is permitted by anybody. It cannot be a loaded handgun. And if you don't have a concealed weapon, you can only open carry a loaded handgun if you have a valid concealed weapons license. Non-permit holders, if you don't have a concealed weapons permit, uh, you're limited to carrying uh, one hour before sunrise until one hour after uh, sunset. Again, the firearm has to be unloaded and in plain sight. Now, that changes a little bit with this because you don't have to you don't have to have a permit to carry concealed anymore. So this that changes a little bit. But yes, the status quo is there. So I'm I'm, I'm sorry I didn't explain every nuance of that open carry policy when I mentioned it, gun nuts. But that's what it is. Honestly, I, I love I love guns. I'm a big Second Amendment supporter, but there is a faction of gun fanatics that are just militant and hard to deal with, and I, I think really in a lot of ways make advancing gun rights harder because they're so, well, I guess I said it, militant. Let's take a call. John, you're on. What's up? Hey, Rob. I'm sure that'll all get clarified, you know, by the Attorney General before August 1st as to that. Carrying, you know, who can carry yeah. what? You know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure thing. the AG's office will put out some guidance, and, yeah. and it'll be there. And and it's and again, if you're going to carry a weapon, I I think it's good. You should get training. You Definitely. should if you're going to have if you're going to have a gun in your house, you should have some at, at the very least some basic safety training and instruction and understand how they work. And and even the members of your house who might not like guns, heck, even if you don't have guns in your house, even if you hate guns, you know what they exist in society. At the very least, go go to an introductory level class and find out. Question for you. Yeah. You know, I, on the testimony, you know, in regards to that to that law, you know, I heard Jim Shaw on earlier made the statement that law enforcement universally opposed this. No, that's because wrong. I thought I read an article in the forum that indicated that no law enforcement agency or personnel had testified in opposition to it. Yeah, if I, I, I guess I didn't hear what Mr. Shaw said, but I can tell you that in the House and uh, in in the House and Senate, 
Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, the North Dakota Peace Officers Association testified in favor of the bill. Okay. Um, okay. So, and and that on on the House side, I don't know if they testified in favor it on the Senate side as well. But that was actually a specific question during the the Senate debate. Uh, bill carrier was uh, State Senator Kelly Armstrong from Dickinson. He was asked by Senator Aaron Oban, a Democrat from Bismarck, what law enforcement's position was. He noted the North Dakota Peace Officers Association testified in favor of the bill. No law enforcement testified against it. So Jim's so there's a blanket if, statement. It's just, well, I might as well, right? I mean, in, he's unhinged ever since the election because Hillary didn't win. I, in, I, in, I, used to, I used to think that he was a newsman, though I just wonder. Insofar as, in, in, well, I mean, law, no law enforcement agency testified against the bill. And, and yep. trust me, if, if they're against the bill, you'll hear from them. I mean, they're, they're yep. usually not shy about that. And, again, the Peace Officer Association uh, testified in favor of it, so. Okay, just want a clarification on that, and appreciate yeah. it because I know you follow these things a lot more closely than the average guy. So, Thanks. absolutely seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two die. Let's see, the wild-eyed, drunken lead slingers of the wild west state of North Dakota. Thank you for your support, Rob. You know, I think John's being a little tongue-in-cheek on that one. You think so? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think I I think we're going to be just fine. I, just like the 11 other states that have passed this, we're going to be just fine. Uh, let's see. Andrew emails, a uh, big complaint for most people is you do not know the minutia of the law. That minutia should not exist. Laws that are complicated enough that even teachers can give you exact answers, that even the teachers can't give you exact answers, and lawyers are required to properly navigate it, should not exist in the first place. Law should be cut and dry. It isn't necessary to say you can't carry a rifle smaller than 16 inches with a foregrip and a shoulder brace unless it's illegal to murder someone in the act of self-defense doesn't carry enough of a penalty. Uh, I, 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 think, I, I think Andrew's general point is well made. Whatever our gun laws are going to be, they should be easy to understand. And, and that's one of the reasons why I supported this is because a lot of the concealed where, you know, it was ticky-tacky. It was hard to understand, and it could put well-meaning, law-abiding people who are not acting irresponsibly, who are not out to commit a crime, could have them inadvertently commit a crime. And laws like that are stupid and should either be gotten rid of or reformed. Well, can, let me let me ask you then, Rob, because I don't – what you're saying is pretty much exactly my point for why I don't like this legislation, because this legislation doesn't – uh, doesn't seem to remove any of the guidelines for concealed carry. It just removes the need to have the license. You still can't conceal and carry in a bar, for example. Yeah. You still can't conceal and carry on a school campus. But those things, like that, but we're, this but we're always going to have those. I mean, I, we're we're always going to have time I know, and place but those, restrictions. But those are those are still aspects of the minutia of the law that you would learn in a conceal and carry licensing course that you don't learn if you don't get the license. So the minutia still exists, but now we've taken away the requirement for people to learn that minutia. I don't I don't know how much I don't I don't know that hey, you shouldn't carry your firearm in a school. I don't think that's minutia. You know, and, and a lot of that a lot of this stuff's a little silly because what's what's been happening is we've been slowly trying to unravel past restrictions, you know, where we you know, no guns. For instance, the the no guns in church thing, right? What business of it is the government to come in and say that churches can't allow firearms if they if they want to have firearms? Uh, churches are private entities. 
and it should be up to the individual churches, right? If if a you know, I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't go to church. I'm not a member of a congregation. This but concludes I, the test of the emergency. So I don't. Whoa, what happened there? Sorry about that. <laughs> we're not having an emergency, folks. And we're not even testing for an emergency. All right, not uh, right now at least. So the um the the church thing, like that, should be up to church. Why is that even in state law? You know, if a church doesn't want to allow firearms, fine. That's the policy. You can private property owners should be able to say whether or not they want firearms, and that includes the government, which isn't a private property owner, but the government owns property, schools, the Capitol building, whatever, and the government should be able to set the policy there. Other than that, you have a right to keep and bear arms, and exercising it. There's nothing wrong with that, and the law should make it easy to exercise it without running afoul. I. That has been the tactic, I think, of the the gun control movement for years is to make buying, possessing, and carrying a gun so hard and so ticky-tacky that people don't do it. And so the degree to which we could cut through a lot of that nonsense and get back to responsible people being able to to keep and bear arms, recognizing that the world is an imperfect, fallen place, it's a good thing. Hey, Jason Flores from America's Prosperity is going to be on next. I hadn't intended to spend the whole first part of the show talking about this, but I guess it's a hot topic. Jason Flores coming up next. We'll be right back. Don't go away. And I won't miss you when you're gone. Welcome back, Rob Report, 701-293-9000-888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. You can uh, tweet me too, at Rob Port. We're going to switch gears, talk about uh, health care reform, and uh, Washington is in... Well, I, I think it's fair to say that Washington's in turmoil. Um, House obviously trouted out a bill. A lot of people didn't like that bill. Things seemed headed for gridlock, as they so often are in Washington, D.C. And then yesterday, President Trump issued an ultimatum. You either pass a bill today or we're stuck with Obamacare. On to talk with me about everything that's going on. Jason Flores from Americans for Prosperity. And Jason, you keeping up with all this? It's, it's a little bit tricky to keep up with it uh, in Washington. There's a lot of moving parts at the moment, but certainly doing my best. And right now, the uh, the House is debating the bill, but it's still unclear if they're actually going to bring it up for a vote today, uh, like the president has demanded. Do we know at, at, at this point uh, what, what's what's in this bill? I think, yeah, there's a, a pretty good idea of what is in this bill. Um, you know, for from our perspective at Americans for Prosperity, we've opposed the bill um, as it was introduced and, and moved through. And even in the format that to the, today, though some changes have been made. The biggest problem is that while it, the supporters say it repeals Obamacare, it really doesn't. It renames some of the subsidies as tax credits. It um, pushes out the rollback of the Cadillac tax. It doesn't do anything in the short term to change Medicaid expansion. It keeps in place kind of that that core idea that the federal government should be 
running healthcare and should be intricate, should, should have their fingers in healthcare and should be doing all of these things. That core foundation of Obamacare is still here with some branding changes and some timeline changes around the edges. This is not what we sent conservative majorities into the uh, United States House and, House and Senate to do. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. I had Congressman Kramer on the show earlier this week, and I was asking him and I was grilling him about, about this a little bit. And one thing I asked him, I said, you know, a lot of people don't like this bill. And he said something. He, he thought that people were letting, and his term was um, letting the, uh, the, the, the perfect be the enemy of, of the good. Yeah. How do you respond to that? I understand where the congressman is coming from on that. The problem is that this bill isn't even the good, let alone the perfect. Um, It really doesn't get at the heart of the problem, and that is that Obamacare was designed just to expand coverage, to put more insurance cards into people's pockets. But as we've seen from rising premiums, rising deductibles, we have a whole lot of people in this country now who have insurance policies that they can't even use because the cost of the insurance and the cost of the deductibles are keeping them from even utilizing that care. <clears throat> That's been part of that problem with Obamacare. And we have the majorities that we have. We have the <clears throat> person in the office of the presidency right now partially because of opposition to Obamacare as it stood. And now after countless votes for show over the last couple of years, some of them, which Congressman Kramer voted for, now we can't find suddenly a bill that does what we've been told they were going to do for years now, and that is repeal Obamacare. We We need to do that because the version that they have here, this Obamacare light or whatever you want to call it, all it does is change what we're calling a new entitlement that provides government payments to mask the cost of insurance going up. It does nothing to get at the true problem, which is the rising cost in health care and the lack of any kind of free market option in health care. we got a caller, Camburn. Go ahead. Good afternoon. Uh, one thing that you have to recognize, Jason, is that there's a finite pool of money that is spent on health care in this country. Those of us that have insurance, and it's a been the case for 35 years if someone doesn't have insurance since ronald reagan got it enacted that the hospital cannot refuse treatment we all pay for the insurance the main thrust of any kind of reform should be so that the cost of the insurance itself does not expand as far as choice in health care, you can go to Grand Forks, in my case, Grand Forks, Fargo, Rochester, wherever you want to go, you're going to get health care. That, that's not an issue. You talk about Medicaid expansion, 57% of Medicaid is spent on people 65 of years of age and older that worked all their lives, potentially have to go to a nursing home because a family can't care for them anymore, does not have the resources to care for them. And now you want to throw those people out into the, you know, you might as well throw them out in a blizzard and get it over with, because you're talking population control. <sighs> I, it, 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 thank, uh, Cameron, thanks for the call. It, it, this, that seems to be, and I'll, I'll let you respond to what he's saying, but it, it seems to me like that's why we can't get any policy done, because there's we have extremes on both sides. I, I think in some ways 
some conservatives, I'm not necessarily saying you, Jason, but some conservatives, I think, really do. They're out looking for something that's absolutely ideologically perfect for them, and nothing else is going to cut it. But then on the other side, we have people talking about any deviation on, on some of these policies, and, and now we're throwing people out in a blizzard. And in the meantime, we can't get anything worthwhile done. Right. And, and that is part of, the, part of the issue. To the Medicaid piece specifically, there are absolutely people in this country that we want to give some kind of support to, whether the group that he's talking about that have earned it, that we have made promises and commitments to, we want to honor them. Yet at the same time, in the uh, Obama administration's goal of getting insurance to everybody, they ramped up the federal match for Medicaid, causing states across the nation to redouble their efforts even though they knew that at some point these federal payments were going to go away. Now, the bill as we have it here does away with them, but years into the future, which if states know that if they don't get in on this Medicaid expansion action now, that they're going to miss the boat and then be penalized for it years on into the future, they're going to increase Medicaid even more. They're going to spend even more money on this. And All of these new people that have been brought onto Medicaid has strained the federal budget, strained the state budget, and it's also strained that system in the point of where those people who truly need that care that we have made that commitment to, they aren't able to access it the way that they would. Again, we're talking about using federal dollars to buy down costs for a system that through all of the regulation side of Obamacare, which isn't being repealed fully. They've made some changes now to essential health benefits and others. But all of those regulations that were put in place that have driven up the cost of health care and insurance, all this bill does is call the shell game by a different name. And yet it's still taxpayers paying for something that doesn't have a free market component as part of it. 701-293-9000 if you want to join in. 888-970-9329. So, one thing, and I, I, I realize you're you're a policy guy, Jason. You're out to talk about policy. But politics are the process through which we make policy. And, and as I observe President Trump, he is much more about the politics than the policy. He's not an ideological guy. He's not a partisan guy. Uh, I, I think, And, and I, I think this ultimatum for Congress really illustrates what his real goal here, and his real goal is to communicate to the American people that he is going to make things happen now whether or not those things that happen are a good thing we can have lengthy debates about that but that seems his goal is i am just going to make things happen i and and what i have heard is is when when it it seems like what the trump administration is saying when, when they're hearing complaints about the bill he's saying well fine write up your changes but let's pass something how do we good good reform when when the president i think is is less concerned about the specifics of the reform than he is about sort of being perceived as a man of action. Yep, and, and he's, you know, nothing if not that uh, transactional leader where he wants to get this done and be able to move on to the next piece. But the, the long-term cost of rushing this through or buying off those last couple of votes with whatever deal may or may not be in the works out there, that's going to come back to haunt not only the president but the uh, American people because this bill doesn't change the fundamental structure of what we've had under Obamacare for the last couple of years. Now, I, I agree, good policy will make for good politics. And 
I also don't think, you know, he's putting out ultimatums and saying you have to take this vote today. Um, we, we have to get this done, right? And, and some of that is, is pressure, and he should certainly use the tools that he has to put pressure on to, to move his agenda forward. That's his prerogative. But at the same time, I don't believe that uh, Speaker Ryan is going to make his members walk an imperfect plank because they know that this is only a, a first step. They've, they've talked about that. But he's not going to make them walk the plank on a bad bill that he knows right now. He told the president today he doesn't have the votes for yet. So there's there's nothing wrong. Though the, the media is yeah. going to perceive it as a a huge failure of the president sure. to uh, to pull this back gotcha. and make some changes to it. I think that there are finite changes that can be made to this bill to go farther to get at the real root of the problem as created in Obamacare and fix it. And we are, we are, turn around and, and have this debate further in the Senate. We are almost out of time, but I want to seek Scott in here. Scott, we have like 60 seconds. What's up? Okay, I'll make it quick. Uh, I was wondering, the, the whole rising cost has got a lot to do with prescriptions, and uh, the cost of cancer treatments are just phenomenal. What is in, uh, I don't know if I can call it Trump care or whatever, but what's in there to fix that? I mean... Not to be partisan, but you guys have had many, many years to come up with a plan. And yeah. how are we going to get to the underlying issue? I mean, just raising raising the premiums, that doesn't really solve anything. we got to get to the root of the problem. I was just wondering, what's in this bill to curb yeah. some of that? Yeah, thanks for the call, Scott. Jason, about 30 seconds. Yeah, to that, to that specific on those treatments, uh, I can't speak to that. The problem with this bill is that it keeps that federal government subsidy and that masks those premium increases and keeps the regulations in place that are driving up coverage. Much better to eliminate those, bring back two true free market reforms to health care that will drive those costs down in the long term. Jason, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Happy to join you. More to come straight ahead. We'll wrap up the show right after this. Hey, by the way, Jay Thomas on his show, we're talking about the gun rights thing. Starting Wednesday, April 5th, and on the first Wednesday of each month, he's going to have Craig Rowe and Dennis Johnson uh, with Carry for Defense on his show to answer your firearms questions. So you should look into it. Listen, seek those guys out. They're a wealth of information. More to come straight ahead. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report. Not a lot of time here, but uh, we'll wrap things up. You know, on the healthcare thing, one thing to keep in mind as everybody's watching this is that I don't think Trump is playing the same game everybody else is playing, right? Trump Trump got elected. He's the man of action. He's going to go into Washington, D.C. He's going to drain the swamp, all that stuff. He's going to be different, and I think he is being different. This ultimatum that he issued to House members... And I, I think he's got to stick to his guns in order for it to work. But this ultimatum he put out, I think is is. I think it's smart. I think it's I think it's good politics. I I, I wrote a I wrote a blog post about this, sort of quoting Kurt Vonnegut. In that, in an insane society, a sane person is is going to appear insane. And I think that's Trump right now. And I say that not because I support all of his policies. I just say that, that that Washington has been so nuts for the last 16 years, the last two administrations at least, that Trump coming in and saying, hey, let's move the ball forward. Let's quit getting bogged down in ideology. 
I think is still going to resonate with a lot of people. He's playing a different game than anybody else. Hey, Jay Thomas Show coming up next. That's it for me. We'll talk next week. Thanks for listening. Anywhere, anywhere, my love. The city lights look like.